0: Mongoose-like reflexes. Did you see that? almost went over. Um, So my name is Ryan, like like Pastor Torrance said, and I'm uh, the pastor of the Grove, which is the College and Young Adult Ministry. And uh, if you don't know who I am, I want to share with you a little bit about my life. And so I've got a picture that I want to show you of a few. Look at those guys. Those are my boys. The oldest is Isaac. He just turned five. And then Jonah is three, and Levi is one. All of their birthdays are in April, not on purpose, but I highly recommend that you avoid having all of your kids' birthdays in the same month. And it is tragic. It's really hard on the pocketbook. Uh, So tonight, we're going to be, uh, I'm, I'm talking about doing a new thing. And so I'm going to be, if you've got your Bibles, you can open up your Bibles, you can follow along in chapter 20 of, of John. So John chapter 20, I'm not actually going to be reading it line by line, I'm actually just going to be talking about it, and walking you through it. Uh, so, but you can, you'll be able to follow along with exactly where I am uh, with the story that I'm telling uh, along with that. So you can follow along. And then everything outside of John chapter 20, the scripture verses that I will be t- t- telling you will be up here uh, on the screen for you to be able to read along as well. So you, so you don't have to flip back and forth. You can kind of keep keep eye on where I am. So I'm going to start out with uh, Isaiah 43 verse 18 through 19. And it says this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Father, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you that we can come here and just worship you. And Lord, I just, sometimes I wish we could worship even longer. It was so good. Lord, Lord, we invite you into this place. And whatever it is that comes out of my mouth, my, my prayer is that every single person in here would, would receive a word directly from your mouth that it would go into their hearts and that you would create something new inside every single one of us. So Holy Spirit, we invite you and we say invade this place and speak to us and do something new in our hearts, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it was early. It was really early when she started to walk. It was dark, actually. And so she carried a lantern along the road as she walked, and with every step that she took, you could see the little flame flicker in front of her, and it was the warmth of the flame that actually, that gave her some comfort, but it was the light that actually reminded her of him. You see, Jesus just died, and this was devastating to the disciples, and they were all in their house with the door locked, because they were afraid that they were going to be next, that it was going to be them up on the cross, that they were going to be persecuted, So they had the door locked. And Peter was wrestling with these ideas and these thoughts in his head that he knew that just days before this happened, he denied Jesus three times. And so he's grappling with this in his own heart, and he's trying to figure out what is going on. And oftentimes that's happened to us as we know the things that God has said to us, and we have this wrestle in our own heart, whether it's the promises that have been spoken over our life, but our circumstances are saying that everything about those promises are never going to happen. And this was, this was Peter. This was all of the disciples. But Mary Magdalene, she couldn't take it any longer. She couldn't just stay in a room. So she's walking towards the tomb. And as she's walking, she's thinking about the, the man that she's been following, the man that she is in love with, that she's worshipped for all of these years that she's followed, is now dead. And as she's walking along, she gets a little bit closer and she notices that the stone has been rolled away. And so she runs a little bit faster to see what's going on. And as she gets there, she looks inside and there's no body where there's supposed to be a body. The only thing that she sees are the linens laying on a slab of cold stone. And so the first thing that she does, the only thing that she knows to do is she runs all the way back to the house and she pounds on the door and she's saying, let me in, let me in. And they finally open up and lock, unlock it and she gets in and she says, their body is gone. I don't know where he is. And Peter and John are confused with what's going on so they take off and they run after it like two brothers in a competition. They head straight towards the tomb. And John reaches to the tomb first because he's probably younger, looks like me, runner's body. And he just looks inside, and he sees it exactly the way that Mary said it. His body's not there, and he doesn't know where he is. And then Peter finally gets there, and he runs right into the tomb. And he gets inside, and he's leaning over because he's tired from the run. And he's looking around, and he sees it just like Mary said it. There's a stone with nothing but linens that should be wrapped around a body. And he looks at John, and he walks out. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. No matter what our current circumstances might be like, we're not supposed to dwell there or dwell on the past, just like what the disciples were doing right then. So they had no idea what was going on, and they couldn't see a way forward. God did not want, in this scripture right here, it's actually in context, Isaiah is writing about them being freed from Babylon back in the Old Testament. They were, they were in captivity and they were being freed from Babylon. But in a deeper meaning of the scripture is that he's actually talking about Jesus himself. That God's going to do a new thing and Jesus is going to bring streams into the desert, into the wasteland. He's going to make new life. And so when God is talking about this, he's bringing the Israelites. He's not saying, he's saying, forget the exodus. We need to remember it, but we don't want to stay there. And we need to keep moving on to something else. He's saying, look forward in faith to the amazing event that is about to occur rather than dwelling on the past. Because oftentimes, no matter what circumstance, even when everything in the world is falling apart around us, Just as it was with the disciples, all we can think about are the dumb things that we did days prior to this event. Or all we can think about is what are we going to do now? And we lose ourselves in the moment instead of looking forward to where God wants us to be. And so Peter and John, feeling completely defeated in spirit, they start walking back towards the house. And you know how it is when, you, when you're at a funeral and uh, you're sitting around with someone that, that died. Maybe is your best friend or your father or parent. There's moments where you don't know what to say. And so this was Peter and John. They're walking back. And the only thing that's keeping them going is watching the steps as they w- put one foot next to the, uh, in front of the other. And they can see the dust come off of the ground as they walk. And then eventually... John accidentally kicks a rock, and it goes in front of Peter. And Peter's thinking, and the the words of Jesus come flying through his mind. And he's thinking to himself, what Jesus said, Jesus said, I will no longer call you Simon. I will call you Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not come against it. And so Peter's left with these thoughts. How do you rectify that? How do you bring that back together again? When Jesus himself prophesied over your life as to what was going to happen, but he was the one that was supposed to be teaching you how to do it, and now he's gone. Not only did he just die, he's missing. His body's not even there. And so they finally make it back to their house, and they walk inside. They close the door, and they lock it behind them because they're still afraid. John looks up at the other disciples and he says, his body has gone and we don't know where he is. And Peter looks at him and says, I thought he was supposed to be king. Mary, on the other hand, she can't stand being in the house. She made her way back to the tomb again. Because oftentimes when you're grieving over the one that you love and the one that you want to be with, more than anything else, all you want to do is be where they are. Even if it's a cold body in a grave. That's all you want to do is be with them. And as she's sitting there on the ground, I'm sure she was weeping, two angels appear in front of her. And they say, woman, why are you weeping? And she says, they've taken him and I don't know where they are. And that's the strangest response to an angel. Because if you read in the Old Testament and the New Testament, every time someone encounters an angel... They fall on their ground, fear, trembling, worship. And yet Mary just simply replies, they've taken him and I don't know where he is. And so the only thing that I can think of when I read that is if her eyes are so covered with tears, or her eyes are so puffy that she doesn't even see who it is that's standing in front of her. Or the other thing is when you're that grieved, you just don't respond the way that you're supposed to. And as she pulls herself off, off the ground, she turns around and another person asks her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? And she thinks it's the gardener. So she says, they've taken him and I don't know where they've put him. And she tries to muster up some strength because you know when you've been weeping for days, you're emotionally Just drained. You've got nothing left to give. And she says, Sir, if you know where the, where, if you've taken him, tell me where he is so that I can go and get him. She lowers herself back down on the ground because she's at that point where you're just in complete hopelessness. And then she hears it. That voice. It's the voice of hope. It's the voice where that voice that says one word to you and everything in your life changes. She recognized the voice. It was the voice that she first heard when she realized that she was forgiven of all of her sins and disappointments of her past. And like a dead body coming back to life... She yells out his name, Jesus, and she throws her arms around his leg and embrace this so comfortable and so familiar to her, so familiar to everyone who follows Jesus, because that's the only place you ever want to be when you follow him, is at his feet. And then Jesus says the strangest thing, Mary, don't hold on to me. I have not returned to my father, but go and tell my brothers, which is a funny thing to say, my brothers, that I am going to my father and their father, my God and their God. So with renewed strength, she gets up off of her feet and she runs back to the house. Again, she's pounding on the door because it's still locked because all the disciples and everyone that's with them are still inside in fear of what might happen to them next. They finally open up the door and she throws herself on the ground and she says he's alive, he's alive and they still don't get it. Peter's thinking I'm, I thought he was supposed to be king And what they didn't realize is that he has always been king. And they lock the door again. Now it springs up. do you not perceive it? John 2017 says do not hold on to me. Jesus is saying it's not going to be the way it was before. We're not going to go back to the way it was. It's no longer going to be me walking these dusty roads with you. It's no longer going to be me that's going to be healing the blind. It's no longer going to be that way. It's not going to be me who raises Lazarus from the death, from the dead. It's not going to be that way anymore. Don't hold on to me. It's not gonna go back to the way things were. I'm gonna make a new way in a dry and hard times that will make the desert seem like an oasis. I will put rivers of streams in the wasteland. Jesus is saying it's no longer gonna be my commission. It's no longer my commission. To preach the good news to the poor, to, set, to, to, set, uh, to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, and recover the sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is saying, it's not going to be that way anymore, because I'm doing a new thing, and the new thing is you, and I want you to go instead of me. See, because Jesus said, go, and we go in the name of Jesus. But everywhere we go, we go in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what the new thing is that Jesus is getting at. And while the disciples are still sitting in their room wondering what to do, what are we going to do next? It's not going to ever be the same. We can't even find his body. We can't even go to the grave knowing that he's buried there to lay flowers anymore. And while they're thinking all of these things and trying to figure out what to do, Jesus does only what Jesus can do as he walks through the wall. And he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Do not hold on to me because I'm doing a new thing, and the new thing is you. I'm sending you. You're the one that's going to go, and you're going to go in my name, but you're going to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. We become the new thing because of what he did on the cross. And it even says in Scripture, Jesus actually said in John 16, 7, it says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the Advocate or the Holy Spirit won't come. And if, but if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And then Jesus also said that you will do even greater works than I. It's no longer going to be me. I'm sending you. And then what does Jesus do? He goes up into heaven and leaves us here. And Jesus is still up in heaven. And we are still here. Sorry, I was crying during worship and anytime I cry, like my nose just runs all the time. It drives me crazy. So how do we receive the Holy Spirit? This is what we're getting at. So first, we confess that Jesus is Lord of our life. This is the beginning of what God has for you as we confess that Jesus is Lord of our life. And in 2 Corinthians, uh, I don't know if I have this one, actually. I can't remember if I, anyways, it might be up there. 2 Corinthians five seventeen, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. I am doing a new thing. The second thing, how do we receive the Holy Spirit? First, we confess that Jesus is Lord. Second, we ask. We ask in faith. It's pretty simple. There's really not a lot to it. In Luke 11 and 11, it says, Which of you, fathers, if your sons ask for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Or if he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, I mean, I don't think I'm that evil, but. (laughs) If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So we ask. We ask in faith. And then we receive. Last, before we put it up there, I have a disclaimer about this one, okay? Because oftentimes we don't do what God wants us to do or we say, I'll give my life and devote myself to God when I get myself right. When I check off all of the boxes and I say, say, I'm good enough now to follow Jesus. That's not the way it works. We don't wait till we're good enough. We do it and then we become good, okay? So remember that with this. So lastly, We must surrender to his lordship over our life through obedience. So don't wait till you walk in obedience to surrender your life to his lordship. You surrender yourself so that you can become obedient to what he asks of us. That's the way it works. He's the one that gives us the ability to become obedient to the things that he asks. Because before we're obedient, if he says, I want you to go and pray over this person or that person, prophesy, you're like, forget it, that's not going to happen. But we surrender, and he starts to give us the ability to obey the things that he asks us. And he gives us the courage and the strength so that the next time, and he builds it and builds it, and then before you know it, you're laying hands on people and people are getting healed. Why? Because you started to walk in obedience. So don't wait to become obedient before you surrender your life. Does that make sense? All right. I thought that was important. Acts 5.32 uh, says, We are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit who God has given those who obey him. God is doing a new thing, and we must perceive it. And if you want to grow deeper in your intimacy with Jesus, if you want to grow in a greater understanding of the scriptures, you will never in your life encounter someone that wants you to know Jesus more than the Holy Spirit does. And so when we invite the Holy Spirit into our life, and when we ask him to come into every area of our life, when we read the scriptures that used to be boring, they come alive because it's the Holy Spirit that makes them come alive to us. Because he wants us to know Jesus in the Father's heart more than anyone else. More than Pastor J.R., more than myself. And we've got some amazing pastors on this first row, by the way. I love this church. No one wants you to know Jesus more than the Holy Spirit does. So who's going to reveal Jesus to you more than anyone else? The Holy Spirit. John 16, verses 12 through 15 says this. Oh, good, we got lots of time. Once I'm done, I'm going to tell you everything I know about Jesus. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now, but when he The spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell us what is to come. He will tell us what is to come. When we're stuck, like the disciples, not knowing what to do. The hardest part about bringing the Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land is they complain, and all they wanted to do was go back to Egypt instead of look forward. But the Holy Spirit is the one that is going to tell us what is to come. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to continue to press us to go forward, regardless of what has happened in our past. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I say that the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In order to keep moving forward with what God is doing, we must walk with the Holy Spirit at all times because he's the one that's going to keep us focused on what's ahead of us instead of looking at what's behind us. The Israelites, when they were in the wilderness, they were in the in-between slavery and in the promised land. They were in between being captive, and freedom. And oftentimes we find ourselves, and many times in our life, in this in-between. And it's when we're in the in-between that that's all we can see, and that's all we can focus on. And all we're looking for is where is his body? What are we supposed to do now? I'm no longer addicted to drugs. What do I do now? I've been freed from that. Where am I going now? But the Holy Spirit is going to take us from the in-between and bring us into the promised land because he's the one that guides our steps and directs us when we walk with him. I have a friend that um, uh, was learning how to fly a helicopter. And he was up on up the helicopter. They were flying, and the, the instructor was teaching him. And uh, they were over this, this big field, and the field was completely covered in snow. It was just white, solid white. And so they were hovering over this field, and the instructor said to him, I said, I want you to keep the helicopter in one place. So the guy, my friend, he looked out the window, and he was flying the helicopter. And not too long after that, the instructor told him to look up. And when he looked up, he was a half a mile away from where he started. And the instructor said that the only way that you'll ever be able to keep the helicopter focused and steady is if you keep your focus on what's ahead of you. If you look at what's going on right below you, you'll always end up off course. So if we're always looking at the in-between or focused on what's behind us, we're never going to be focused on Jesus and doing what the Holy Spirit has called us to do. So we can, uh, can the uh, worship band please come back if they're, if they're in the house? Mary and the disciples were in between in this story. They were in between the grave and the breath of the Holy Spirit and what was next and what God was doing. What's your in between? And is your in between causing you to lose focus on what has been instead of on what will be? And as they, as they come back up here and pray, so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to stand up and we're going to get into groups again because we've got practice at that already. So we're going to go ahead and get up into groups. So go ahead and make your way into groups and I'll explain to you what I want to do while the band's getting ready. Yeah, so let's get into groups of, uh, actually, let's do, th- let's do groups of three, okay, so that we're not here all night. I know you got nothing to do tomorrow, but uh, this is a nice place to be. So we're gonna pray for each other that we're all gonna walk with the Holy Spirit in our lives. But before we do that, There's a few things that I think are important is first, in order to receive the Holy Spirit, we must confess that Jesus is Lord. If that's something that you've never done before, I want to invite you now, with the group of people that you're with, to tell them that you want to invite Jesus into your life, that you want to confess Jesus as Lord of your life. Because without that, the Holy Spirit's not gonna come into your life. Because we are afforded the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus did on the cross, and He died, and he rose again, and they can't find his body because he, he rose. So if that's you, you don't need to raise your hand, you don't need to do anything except for tell the people in the group that you're with that this is the commitment that you're making to follow Jesus and, and, uh, and uh, choose his to be Lord over your life. Does that make sense? So that's the first thing. Second thing. I want you all to pray for each other just to receive the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God would come upon you in a powerful and mighty way and that you would be faithful to his leading in every area of your life. Does that make sense? Okay. And the last thing, uh, so if you have received the Holy Spirit before, if this is something that you have done in the past and you already are walking, just ask for more. Does that make sense so that's we're gonna, that's what we're gonna do while they're kind of playing in the background you can go ahead and talk so father I thank you so much for every single person in this room and I thank you for the way that you have brought him them here for this time and this for this reason Lord that they would be in passion to follow you more than ever before Lord I pray for every single person in this room for their hearts to be set on fire to be obedient to with the things that you've called them to do Lord, that they would step out in faith and pray for the people that you call them to pray for and that you would continue to grow their faith and grow them from glory to glory in everything that you're doing in their lives. And so, Father, I thank you so much for what's happening in this room, and I thank you so much, Jesus, for your faithfulness and for what you did on the cross. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.